In April of 2020, ACOG will release Committee Opinion 802, which deals with the management of women with phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency, otherwise known as PKU, or phenylketonuria. So I know what you're thinking. PKU, that's a pediatric issue. But remember that these babies born with PKU end up being reproductive age females. So it does apply to OBGYN physicians. So in this podcast, we're going to highlight and summarize the ACOG committee opinion number 802 from April 2020 on the management of women with phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency. Because newborns with phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency appear normal at birth and early detection can improve developmental outcomes for children, newborn screening for phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency or PAH is mandatory in all 50 states. Optimally, treatment of neonates diagnosed with classic phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency should be initiated within the first week of life. Remember, these babies grow up and become reproductive age men and women. And so it is this cohort of patients that the focus of this podcast It's important that these patients maintain proper diet all throughout life because increased phenylalanine levels in adulthood have been associated with significant adverse neurocognitive and psychiatric problems including anxiety, depression, phobias, and deficits in executive functioning. Family planning and pre-pregnancy counseling are recommended for all reproductive age women with phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency. The crucial role played by maternal dietary restriction before and during pregnancy should be stressed in counseling patients with phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency. The goal should be to normalize blood phenylalanine levels to less than 6 milligrams per deciliter for at least 3 months before becoming pregnant and to maintain levels between 2 and 6 milligrams per deciliter during pregnancy in order to optimize developmental outcome for the fetus. So that's a clinical pearl. Remember, before pregnancy, the goal is less than 6 millimeters per deciliter, and during pregnancy, its goal is to maintain the level of phenylalanine in the serum between 2 and 6 milligrams per deciliter. Yes, we're definitely going to cover the genetics and the biochemistry behind phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency. But before we get into that, let's talk about why it's important to maintain normal phenylalanine levels in a reproductive age woman. The fetal brain and heart are particularly vulnerable to high maternal concentrations of phenylalanine. The levels of phenylalanine in fetal blood are actually higher than would be expected based on the maternal blood level because phenylalanine crosses the placenta by active transport processes. Children born to women who have phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency on unrestricted diets have a 92% chance of having a developmental delay a 73% risk of microcephaly, and a 12% risk of congenital heart defects, as well as growth delays and seizures. So that's a clinical pearl. High phenylalanine levels in patients, in women that are reproductive age, can severely harm the developing fetus. Phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency is an autosomal recessive disorder of phenylalanine metabolism that's characterized by insufficient activity of phenylalanine hydroxylase. This is a hepatic enzyme. 
This enzyme is responsible for the conversion of phenylalanine to tyrosine, and the lack of the enzyme causes elevated levels of phenylalanine, which produces a spectrum of disorders that range from classic presentation, which was formerly known as PKU, or phenylketonuria, to mild hyperphenylalanemia. As a result, individuals with phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency cannot tolerate typical dietary intake of phenylalanine. If excessive phenylalanine is consumed, the resultant increased blood phenylalanine levels are toxic to a variety of tissues, particularly the developing fetal brain and the fetal heart. More than 600 variants in the phenylalanine hydroxylase gene have been described. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The mainstay of treatment for phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency is the dietary restriction of phenylalanine, which results in decreased blood phenylalanine levels. Now, there is a type of treatment that has been reported and can be effective in up to 50% of patients with phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency. This includes supplementation with tetrahydrobiopterin or BH4. Again, that's tetrahydrobiopterin or BH4. This dietary restriction is crucial, although it is pretty hard to maintain this diet. Lifelong dietary restriction and therapy does improve the quality of life in patients with phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency, and it should be encouraged. Although evidence suggests that women with phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency will benefit from remaining on a phenylalanine-free diet throughout their lives, many patients find the diet very difficult to adhere to because of a variety of socioeconomic factors, as well as the unpalatable nature of many phenylalanine-free products. All right, get ready. Here's some clinical pearls. The reason why dietary control is so important is that if the phenylalanine level is maintained between 2 to 6 milligrams per deciliter before pregnancy or by 8 weeks of gestation, there is evidence to suggest a reduction in the fetal sequelae of hyperphenylalanemia. Because the fetal heart develops by 8 to 10 weeks of gestation, metabolic control achieved later may not decrease the risk of cardiac malformations. Reduction of the maternal blood phenylalanine level to 10 mg per deciliter or less decreases the incidence of microcephaly from 73% down to 8%. In addition to complications with excessive phenylalanine, there actually is data to suggest that markedly low maternal phenylalanine levels, especially during the second and third trimesters, may actually be associated with intrauterine growth restriction. So there is a sweet spot that should be maintained, again, and that's between 2 and 6 milligrams per deciliter. A detailed anatomical survey and fetal growth assessments are recommended for the detection of fetal anomalies and growth restriction in a pregnant woman with phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency. Here's a clinical pearl. Fetal echocardiography is indicated in these patients to evaluate for congenital heart defects in these women that have this condition. 
Dietary control is also important outside of the potential fetal impact because approximately 40% of young adults with phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency will end up developing osteopenia. Although the etiology of this osteopenia is unclear, screening for abnormal bone mineralization may also be considered in these patients. Because of these obstetric implications and fetal effects, it is ideal for these patients to have pre-pregnancy counseling. Pre-pregnancy consultation with a maternal-fetal medicine specialist and genetic counselor, as well as being co-managed with a metabolic geneticist, is the ideal for all reproductive-age women with phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency. This should include information on reproductive options and family planning, as well as management of maternal phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency before, during, and after pregnancy. All right, podcast family, as we wrap this up, just how common is this condition? Well, the incidence of phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency in a population is reported to vary by ethnicity and can range from 1 in 2,600 for Turkish descent to 1 in 10,000 for Northern European origin and about 1 in 200,000 for those of Finnish descent. Phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency is an autosomal recessive disorder and the carrier frequency for phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency depends on ethnicity, but it's about 1 in 50 in those of Northern European descent. All offspring of women with phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency will minimally be obligate carriers. Pre-pregnancy carrier screening is recommended for the partner of a patient with phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency. With both parental and maternal genotype, an accurate risk for offspring can then be determined. PKU was the old term. Phenylketonuria is now replaced with the term phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency. Thankfully, phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency is included on statewide newborn screening panels in all 50 states. But these babies identified as being affected by phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency grow up and become reproductive age men and women. And in reproductive age women, having normal or maintained phenylalanine serum levels is crucial, especially when we consider pregnancy. And remember, up to 40% of young adults with this condition can develop osteopenia. That's why it's important for the OBGYN or any women's healthcare provider to be aware of phenylalanine hydroxylase deficiency. Thanks for being part of our podcast family, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.